That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no, no. You are. You defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker What's up, jobbers, and welcome to the latest edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. As always, is Nestlemania alongside for the ride is a man that never stops saying, fuck you, CM Punk, JC. Hater in the house. I apologize right off the rip for my voice today. It is better than it has been, but it's not perfect. I was partying all weekend celebrating Jamie Hater's big win. So doing my best here, but ready to bring the super hot fire. He's oh, also wearing a super hot fire shirt. Go get that at tpublic.com slash jobberknocker because we need to feed uh, TJ's family. Anyway, on that note, uh, we're going to start off hot and heavy. At least I think so. Uh, we're going to go right into AEW Full Gear. I thought this was an interesting show. Not necessarily the biggest and best show, in my opinion. Uh, although he'll, you know, he'll, being uh, TK, tout in his, uh, his pressers that it's the million dollar gates and we're doing the best yada, 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 yada. So anyway, I'm going to get into the whole crux of this whole thing. We'll start from the bottom because that's where we start. Uh, I will say this much. They started off hot with uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. I thought that was a cool, I mean, we all love, oh, 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 you know, uh, I thought that was wonderful. Uh, I did appreciate the carnage at the beginning. I love that Christian got involved. I loved all that stuff. Uh, Luchasaurus, unsung hero, kind of, gr- you know, gritting through it, uh, obviously. And, uh, Jack Perry's a star. I mean, there's nothing else you can say except he, uh, the dude has star written all over him. He's clearly treated like a star. And I just really enjoyed the, you know, the top rope, or sorry, the top of the cage, elbow drop through the table, even though he kind of miscalculated just a smidge. But I knew, uh, listening to the presser later, he kind of had to, uh, based on the positioning of where Luchasaurus was. But, again, a great way to hot start the, the entire night. What were your thoughts very quickly, JC? I'm going to... I mean, this was like a perfect recipe. You know, you have two guys that have known each other forever. So that always makes for like a good match. And then you have the thing that I love so much. You have a big guy and you have a little guy. So you're putting those factors together. You put them in a violent environment. Like it's going to be a fun match. The right man won. I'm curious what happens next for both these men. I don't know if they're going to pull them apart for a little bit until Christian's ready to go or if they're still going to be involved. But I am curious going forward what we do with these uh these individuals. I will say this much. If you don't watch the AW pressers, obviously the joke is obviously because the CM Punk thing, you want to watch the presser. But now that he's clearly not in the, the the fold right this instant, it's still a must watch. And I think I learned a lot of information, uh, at least from these wrestlers that got out there and said these nice things or bad things or whatever. Um, and, you know, listening to the, the stuff that I wish was kind of said from what Jack Perry had said, he goes, oh, somebody had said, hey, I like your tights. They were very HBK-ish from Hell in a Cell 97 and da, da 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 And then, you know, he said something along the lines of, well, Luchasaurus told me a long time ago that it was his favorite match, and I wanted mm. to stick it to him and give him some type of psychological warfare. Now, again, these are nuggets that I want in my commentary. I don't want fucking three yuck yucks, you know, joking and tripping over themselves when it comes to commentary. Well, I, you're going to need a new commentary team then. No, I know. It's just like, 
it, it's all yuck yucks. And it's just like this particular thing kind of threw me off because it was just like, why wasn't that mentioned in the actual match? I thought that was a great little line. You didn't have to say the, you know, the exact same thing. You just said, you know, you know, reminiscent of Shawn Michaels in the Hell in a Cell or something. You could have said something. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, listen to the pressers because there's a lot of good information uh, there. And I think they should, honestly, they should grab sound bites from the pressers and put them out on social media because I think it would help create more uh, awareness and connection to these characters because I think they lack a lot. Well, um, that's the big thing you hit on because when I watch these things, obviously you get some stuff in character, but you kind of get like the real life stuff. Like, so I have always enjoyed watching them since they started doing them. WWE starting to do them a little bit more now too, because they had done them a few years ago and then stopped. So, but you hit on the big thing there. It's a little bit more behind the character, behind the human, us connecting to these individuals and these characters at the same time. And just kind of like building more of that, whether it's love or hate or whatever, like, you had all different ones on this. Obviously, this was good with Jungle Boy. I really enjoyed Jamie Haters because you kind of get to see her like she's just like a fun like side, like jokey side. And then obviously MJFs we'll get to later because he put his own spin on it like he always does. So moving on into the next match, I believe the next match was the Elite returning against the Death Triangle in a giant upset I did not expect, JC, uh, for the Death Triangle to take the victory. A lot of storytelling in this match um, with, of course, the hammer, which they've been teasing for months, it seems, at this point. And uh, Ray Phoenix using the hammer on Omega to get the win. Definitely none of us in the Jobberknocker could have predicted this one. I thought this was great. Um, it obviously is leading to something that's going to make me vomit. Uh, but we'll talk about that later, I'm sure, in the heat. Uh, unless you want to talk about it right now. I I thought this was a good match. I am a sucker. Only the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega could come out to Hayward's, uh, sorry, Wayward Son. And... Boy, did they ever, and it was super cool. I know it's probably a one-off, or I think uh, Tony Khan had mentioned something along the lines of that he was interested in doing it once in a while, but it will not be their everyday theme. I just, I can't do these titles. No matter what, like, it's just, like, I don't care. Like, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it holds any prestige to me because it's just, it's probably maybe because it's just so new and we haven't seen it, and maybe this best of seven or whatever they're doing will bring more prestige to a title that has none and kind of make us care more. Maybe that's because they haven't done the work with it yet, but I just like, I don't know, because I think we're just so preconditioned to think six-man tags. Oh, throwaway main event just to showcase guys and this and that. So when I see a six-man tag with actual stakes, it doesn't resonate with me yet. So I just like, no matter how good the matches are, how fun they are, like these are the ultimate, like, oh, if you're in the audience, it's the greatest thing ever. But just watching on TV, it's like, we see this type of thing almost every week. Obviously, this is an extreme example of it because it's very, very high level. But for me still, it just doesn't, I just don't care. No matter how good it is, I just don't care. I, you know, and I, I, I am definitely pushing that bus. I mean, I am, I am the guy that everybody, you know, rolls their eyes when they hear a six woman or six man tag. They're looking at me, going, "Oh, we know Nestle's not going to like it." Which, again, I don't. And I think, it, and it harkens back to a lot of what you said, JC. Is there's no stakes. We've been preconditioned to be, you know, thrown together in this aspect of this matchup of this kind of thing. And a trios championship in Mexico, I assume, is a big deal. Um, and other promotions, perhaps, maybe Ring of Honor, I would say, even an inkling, maybe. But AEW... They have one in Ring of Honor? They had one in Ring of Honor, yeah. Oh, okay. They don't have them right now, I don't think. Thank God, um, we have two sets of them. I know. It's just hard because I think multi-man matches in Survivor Series are, like, where we see it, right? Uh, and when we see it other places in Raw SmackDown or whatever, we've, like you said, you've been conditioned to, it's a hodgepodge, it's not necessarily an organization. But if they maybe start doing factions and making it the faction title, I'm okay with it. 
But I think what they're missing, regardless of who has six-man or six-woman tag titles or what promotion has them, what I would like to see, and this is probably going to be an eye roll from a lot of people, is a free bird rule with the trios, but if they have a faction, right? So then you could plug and play with people in the faction. I think that gives a little bit more of an interesting dynamic to it. But more often than not, I believe you're right, JC, that it, we got three guys. They're just kind of thrown together, and there you go. So it is difficult. It is very difficult. Moving on, I can't remember in this particular order, so I apologize for not being in any order in particular. I'm just going to go with what I have here. Um, another thing that have was a head-scratcher here, uh, Wardlow versus Samoa Joe versus Powerhouse Hops, Sweaty Men, beating that meat, uh, and it was, what? It was a lot. It was a lot. It was. I, I loved watching this matchup. I could have sworn Powerhouse Hobbs, this was his moment. But as we've talked about on this program, and it seems to be a theme on Twitter, JC, and I want to know how you feel about this. It feels like Tony Khan is always one pay-per-view off from connecting with the crowd from what they want at that yes. exact moment. And I think we all wanted either Wardlow or Hobbs. So the head scratcher of Jim Samoa Joe was a little odd to me. Yeah, it, it does. He, he eventually gives you what, he, what you want, but sometimes... Like WWE does, he misses the mark. Like he missed the mark with the acclaimed. He made up for it immediately. He might have. You could. I don't think the Jamie Hater one was as bad as the acclaimed because I think that was kind of her moment to become that. And I think he did hit her at the right moment here. But yeah, I mean, Hobbs has really like especially coming out on top of this feud of the Starks. Like he had a lot of momentum. He's really starting to become that legit guy now that he's off on his own. A title reign would have really solidified him as like one of those dominant forces in the company where I do see him as a future world champion, but to get there, this is a stepping stone. He needs to prove that he can hold a title, have those championship level matches. And maybe we do still get it. Maybe him and Wardlow just do their thing for a little bit. And eventually he comes back to Joe. But yeah, this was certainly probably the surprise of the night for me in terms of the upsets. Cause all the rest, like the last one, like, yeah, you could have, you could have sold me on the elite, not winning. I, I thought they would, but you could have sold, especially with uh, how they're booking it going forward. But the Samoa Joe one did catch me off guard because when I looked at this match, I'm like, he's the one guy I thought had almost no chance because I'm like, why? He already has a mid-card title. He doesn't defend anyways. Why give him another one? Well, maybe they merge him. Who knows? But we'll see. But yeah, no, it definitely was interesting because uh, I figured they might want to get that title off Wardlow because I think, I don't think you can wait too long to go back to Wardlow MJF. Right. Um, that so, was going to be one of my hopes, I think, because I, I looked yeah. at it like it seems inevitable that MJF and Wardlow on a collision course. I don't think MJF will lose to Wardlow. I'll get he'll get back. Not the that first w. time. No, but I think that the rubber match maybe. But I think that down the line, having Max beat Wardlow is a great story. So I it's think it's not that, next pay per view, no. but I think it's two pay per views down the line. Yeah. So I think that's you kind of get him some signature wins without the mid card title before then yeah. to set him on that. Or maybe he wins like the number one contender next pay per view. Yeah, because they seem to have whether it's a ladder match, a tournament, something. Sure. There's always something. There's always a, a particular nonsensical match that happens. Uh, moving on. Uh, this one, another head scratcher, and this is what I like to call the Dom Extraordinaire match, which is uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal taking on Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, a lot of Gaga in here. I will say, I was almost gonna now, now, now I remember what my comeback was gonna be, but I'll blow my comeback here. That seven foot six motherfucker grabbing fucking Darby Allen out of thin air and fucking pancaking him on the the ramp. All I could think about was. Man, Singh is so strong. This was the perfect match for Singh. Like, he never does anything. This was a match where I went, this was a signature moment for him, and he wasn't technically in the match. I loved it. I thought that portion of it was great. Watching old man dive again, 63 years old, going to pop a hip. Every single time he misses the mark, 
People love Darby Allen. I mean, how do you not love the wrestling of Darby? You can't negate the fact that Darby Allen is special. You just can't. He's just got something. It's just, he's un, unlike anything else you see. Jeff Jarrett knows how to get heat. I don't know if it's go away heat, but he's got heat. Uh, and then, of course, Jay Lethal, I thought, did a great job in his role in this matchup. Uh, a lot of random shit going on. The one thing I really did love, and I was kind of hoping this would be a, a, a um, Sting and Darby Allen finisher, was when they put Sting in the death drop and then they did a coffin drop at the same time. Thought that was phenomenal. Thought that was fantastic. I'm like, that's a tag team move right there. That's a painful move to do. I'm in. Uh, but overall, don't want Jeff Jarrett on my TV. Don't need Sting all the time. So this is kind of like, uh, Grandpa, let's move on. Um, yeah, you know, he's a pay-per-view guy. I'm fine with Sting showing up at the pay-per-view because he's Sting. The other team, they're not even going to get my words. They don't, they're not worth anything. I don't fucking care. Get them out of my life. But Sting and Darby deserve to be on pay-per-view. I'm glad they were. Moving on to something that was definitely one of the headlines of the night as uh, the doctor. Britt Baker, DMD, took on Soraya in her return match of five long years. Uh, and, of course, for our boy Danny Grimwood, who listens to the podcast and is a knocker himself, uh, Zach Zodiac was in the crowd, who obviously has connections uh, to England. I am curious to see if they pull him into AEW. Uh, it seems like it could be a favor. We will see. Uh, the matchup was kind of uh, a lot of I mean, what'd you expect? It was a train wreck. A woman not wrestling in five years yeah. against Britt Baker. What did, what did you expect? It was a train I mean, wreck. This, this match was all set up by the like the the name value of it, yeah. and that's why I think Brett was the right person to bring Soraya back with. Or Soraya, I always say it wrong. Soraya, which one's which anyway? Soraya, that's the one actual way. Um, but I think Britt's the right person because Britt is when you think about AEW's woman, she's the one that comes to mind immediately. She's the biggest name. She's the best on the mic. She's the best at selling you on a match. She's the best of setting it up because no matter what happens, just seeing Soraya back in the ring. That's a win because it's cool. And we all love her. She's great. No matter how much I pick on the fact that it's AEW or whatever, it's still awesome to see. And this was the perfect opponent for her to come back with. The match, whatever. You can tell me it was good. You can tell me it was bad. It doesn't matter. It did what it needed to do. And um, now we move forward. And now we're going to move forward to uh, Jade Cargill versus uh, Nyla Rose. Thundercats! Thundercats! I... I this woman does not disappoint with her gear. I will say She's that much. She's such a stud, man. She's a special kind of person, that's for sure. Uh, this match had no business being on uh, the pay-per-view, it felt like. Uh, this yeah. could have been decided on, I don't know, TBS, where the TBS championship is, but that's beside the point. Uh, Nyla Rose did a good job making me care about the, the TBS title. Uh, she made you care about Jade more. Yeah, I think— Because that's the biggest thing for me is Jade is really, really good— and she's just been such a dominant heel that, like, there isn't competition for her. So I think it was a – as much as I said I don't like the storyline or whatever, I think it, the positive is it kind of put the flip on where you started to kind of, like, feel for Jade a little bit because it was getting to the point where it was just like, oh, we know she's just going to squash someone. So this was the first time, like, you had to really, like, think about it and be like, put some energy into her more than just expecting her to win. It was just like – Okay, now this gives me a little bit extra. We'll see what they do more moving forward because it's the same issue, but it was at least a different spin on how we viewed Jade. Moving on, we had Chris Jericho defending his Ring of Honor championship against Daniel Bryan slash Bryan Danielson, uh, Claudio Castagnoli, and, of course, Sammy Guevara. Again, a match that didn't need to be on pay-per-view. It clearly yeah. had to be ROH. Uh, listen, it's shoehorned in because, of I, course— You can say it's shoehorned, though, but 
When I look at Chris Jericho, no, Brian Chris Jericho Nielsen, Sammy Guevara, there. all three of those men need to be on pay-per-view because they are three of your biggest stars in the company, no matter how you, you feel about You left out Claudio, them. though, in that conversation. I don't think he's one of the biggest stars in their company. I think he's a mid-carder like he always has been. Like, wow. I love I love Claudio. He's a stud. He's a great wrestler, but he is not on the level of those three guys in this company. I know they gave him the fucking feel-good championship right when he got there, but look how much that lasted. And how, what do you remember about it? Nothing. And yeah. Chris Jericho has made more memories with that thing than about a third of the time of having Claudio. And I love to shit on Jericho all I want, but it's like Jericho is one of their biggest stars, if not their biggest star, you can argue it, um, in that company now with CM Punk on. So, yeah, it's one of those things, like the Ring of Honor title, like whatever. But it's just like the only reason – this is the only Ring of Honor type stuff. Like I get sick of Jericho wrestling every week. Like that's a little too much. We can hit on that later because guess what? He's defending it again on Wednesday. But like he – at least brings it so like when that title is on TV every week, it makes sense. And he's fighting top level talent. Like he's involved with Brian Danielson, one of the best wrestlers on the planet, who says he doesn't need a title but wants a title. Okay, buddy. And then Sammy, who just like is one of the more polarizing guys they have. I love the mix up of this matchup though, because you had pretty much two factions. It felt like it should be like a tag match, but you had the Sammy teases, you had this and that. So you know what? I, I was perfectly okay with this. This was actually one of the things that I thought was probably on my list of one of the more marquee matches I felt in this paper. I think they did a good job here. I, I didn't like the finish, of course, with the flying fucking walnut credenza elbow that he missed. That's fine. And then, of course, you know, they, they do it anyway. And again, it would have been cool if he hit it, but he didn't. You know, and I, I think that kind of made it. Again, you can have a wonderful match, but again, all anybody remembers is the ending. So for me, I'm like, oh. Sammy Gravara did a great job in that matchup, especially being, you know, push came to shove with Jericho, going back and forth with each other kind of making it seem like they're on the same page, but not. I love that aspect of it. I thought, again, the right guy won because Jericho is the most interesting thing they've got going on, especially with Ring of Honor. He's the guy. He's the guy going forward for a very long time until they can figure out what they're going to do next. Uh, moving on, your girl, Jamie Hayter, big-time victory. You didn't call it. I did uh, as Tony Storm uh, bent the knee to uh, the best in the world. That is Jamie Hayter. As she should. Jamie's an absolute stud. Um, and uh, we'll talk about this more in the main event too, but AEW now has two, their two faces of the franchise as champions, I believe are 27 and 26. Like they're young. They're people that we became, we got to know them through AEW, which is really cool, which is something we've started to see more with some of their champions, but to see it on their top two titles is really cool. Look at Tony Storm. I loved her in the Mayhem Classic. I rooted for her when she was in NXT UK, but slowly since then, I feel like she's gotten worse. I still think she's pretty cool, but in AEW, like she really just got that title without much like of quote unquote, like earning it, I think with it for us. So her reign was never going to feel anything special. And it was a fake reign apparently because still has the interim tag uh, bonus hope for me, Tony, look at Thunder Rosa. If she's hurt, whatever it sucks, but you got to strip her that title, man, make Jamie your actual champion. When and if Thunder comes back, she gets the first shot at Jamie. That's how it should work. That's how it normally works. This interim title nonsense is fucking stupid. It convolutes everything. It's fucking bullshit. And you now have a champion that the fans wanted and the fans beloved. So fucking take that interim tag off. Make her the champion because she's a stud. She deserves it. And you talk about like changing the perception of like the wrestling for the woman in AW. Like Tony Storm, she did wrestle a decent amount, but like none of her matches really blew my socks off except for when she wrestled Jamie Hayter. I think Jamie Hayter with the type of matchups you can put her on with the title, especially on Dynamites and Rampages, not just pay-per-view, that she can elevate the wrestling level of that women's division and kind of shine a light on maybe some of the other younger talent that are, you know, aren't getting it. So I think this was the right call. I think she's, I hope she has a long reign because she is an absolute stud. I'm just curious because you're a UFC guy. Does UFC still do the interim thing? 
Yes, uh, they do. But that's, uh, that's, I think, a little different because it's one of those things like the only reason they do it is because, say, they, they need to defend the title within, like, if they want to defend it within six months and the guy isn't ready, they'll do an interim match until the guy's back from injury. Because when you get that, like, it's like you're not fighting every night. Like, think of how many times Tony Storm defended that title. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's different. Like, the timeline is different. Whereas in UFC, realistically, some guys defend the title once a year, some twice, some do three or four if they're very active. Like, compared to wrestling where – you might defend the title in freaking 20 times a year. You know what I mean? So I think the timeline's a little different. So that's why I always like the 30-day rule. You have 30 days. If you can't defend it within 30 days, you lose the title. I mean, Thunder Rosa, it could be like up to like six or eight months at that point. Like that's absolutely ridiculous in wrestling to have an interim tag. So it's one of those things. You take it away from her, it sucks. It's We see it all the time. What if? How would we have felt if they had Finn Balor be the interim universal champion? And just like hold it for like the fucking year or whatever he was out. Same like think of all the guys like when Brian uh, D- Brian Daniel Bryan Christ I can't even say his name anymore had to give the IC title after he won it. And there's there's a million scenarios of it just it makes it too convoluted. If you can't defend it within thirty days, give it up. It sucks. But guess what? When you come back, you'll have a little bit of extra cachet probably with the fans because there'll be people rooting for you to get your title back. So, you know it's it's a tough situation. It sucks. But the interim tag it just gotta go. Moving from the word tag to a tag team title match as the Acclaim took on uh, Swerve in Our Glory, uh, Scissor Me, uh, JJCS. <laughs> That's a visual you need to see. Uh, look, this was a matchup that I wasn't necessarily excited about, folks, because it's the third time that's happening, but, you know. Yeah, but they've all been super hot fire. Come I don't on. know about that. These guys have great chemistry together. Like, yeah. it, like granted, I want Acclaimed FTR, but... I'm not going to be mad that this match is happening. Like these guys have great chemistry. It made sense. And this really was the cherry on top of the end of the feud. Like it worked. It was a best of three quote unquote that made sense. And they did well. And it had a good story, which is rare sometimes in AEW. But the claimed, I think have really elevated themselves as champions. Swerve has elevated himself to really become a bigger player. Keith Lee is what he is. Like he's fine, but like Swerve, I thought had work to do. And I thought he really made himself a lot better in this. They both made the acclaim better. The acclaim made them better. And this was a perfect storm. Perfect ending. It's over. Now we move on. Okay. Uh, great. And then finally, our main event, uh, MJF taking on uh, John Moxley. And then, of course, a scathing promo afterwards uh, backstage. But uh, it was obviously the right You called it WrestleMania, the Nux. I Listen, I could take a victory lap and say how wonderful I am, but I think it was easy to understand that this was a moment that needed to happen. I am curious now on Wednesday what MJF has to say. I'm curious what Moxley has to say, and I'm curious what William Regal has to say. Is there still a Blackpool Combat Club or whatever thing, a cuck club or whatever you call it? I would think they change the name or they just do whatever. If they if they stay as the Blackpool Combat Club, I'll be a little disappointed. But, you know. Well, it is interesting, obviously, because none of those guys like MJF. Um, so, but it's also one of those things where I, I think Moxley is probably going to be off TV for a bit. He was supposed to take a vacation before. Then CM Punk happened, delayed his vacation. I'm assuming the poor guy and uh, Renee Paquette will be going on vacation. Well deserved for Moxley because look, we can say whatever you want about the guy, but he is he is someone who has stepped up in ways for that company that over the history of time, not many people have done and would do. Um, so kudos to him for that, but obviously this was the right decision for MJF uh, and you saw why, but him and Regal is a fascinating thing because like you said, you do have Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnola and Willie Yuta. None of them like MJF, but it's one of those things. Do we see some of them? What I would like to see, I would keep Claudio and Danielson as baby faces, but if you want me to care about Willie Yuta, make him turn on them and join Regal and MJF and him kind of be like a protege. Cause we know those guys have a lot of history and whatever, but I think it just, 
I think that's something that could make sense. And Wheeler kind of has, like, when he gets angry, he has a really, like, mean face. Like, I could buy into him as a heel, and I might actually care about him for the first time. So that's another little bonus hope for me there is that that's the guy. Like, I don't know if they'll be called the Blackpool Combat Club or if that stays with Moxley or whatever, but I think that is something that's going to be really interesting going forward. Plus, we obviously have this Starks-Ethan Page match on Wednesday where the winner gets the first chance at MJF. So if Ethan Page wins, that's a feud with the firm who he used to work with. So it just... There's a lot of different moving parts, and uh, it, I think it's exciting, though, because MJF strutting out with that title every week, like, you know, that's going to be must-see TV. Uh, of course, backstage, he did cut a great promo uh, at the presser, you know, fuck you, love you, bye, and then, uh, you know, whatever, and Destination Television, again, I don't know if Destination Television is the right word, but it will be interesting to see MJF. I think, again, we were in kind of a weird holding pattern. CM Punk was an experiment. It happened, and now it's gone, and now we can get back to business. So for me, I'm excited because I think MJF is a generational talent. Clearly, he can talk. Clearly, he can wrestle. Clearly, he makes you care whether you like him or not. Star, 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 you star, know? star. So, I mean, he checks every box for everybody, and I think there's just no denying the fact that as long as he's the main focus of the show, which, again, is, a, is something that may not happen, if he stays the main focus of the show, they're going to be fine. But yeah, if and they I get think convoluted with of, other things, it's going to be rough. Yeah, but I, I'm just honestly looking at this now because I feel like there was a time where I – disliked every champion that was in AEW. And I'm looking at now, MJF, love it. Jamie Hayter, love it. The Acclaimed, love it. Orange Cassidy, love it. Samoa Joe, don't really love it. Uh, but I did love Warlow. Uh, and then the trios, I don't give a fuck. Uh, and then Jade, love it. So it's just, I'm not going to go out in the ring of honor, but yeah, I'd put Jericho in the love category. The rest, I couldn't even name you. Um, but it just, it's, I think they're in a really good place now is that even if you quote unquote the ratings are down or whatever, like whatever, it just doesn't matter. I think the way AEW has gone to this is like they're starting to recognize, especially Tony. Like, I think he's getting better at pulling the trigger. Like this MJF decision here was the right time to pull the trigger. If he didn't, it would have been a big miss. Same with the hater. The acclaim, like we said, he was late on, but he caught it up right away, and we've already kind of just moved on from it because they still have that momentum. And uh, so it's just one of those things that. He's getting better at capturing the moment, which I think is the most important thing to building this company out long term because you're creating long term fans by building these younger stars, especially like think about a lot of the champions I just listed. They're all young. They're not the fucking old men like the CM Punks and whatever that aren't going to that are going to be gone soon, which he's already gone. But you, like it's just they're really making you invest in the younger talent that if they stay in AW could be here for a decade or two, which I think is the most important thing for growth in this company. That's a great way to put a bow on it, and uh, I'm going to move on from everything. Uh, one to ten. I'm going to give it a six and a half. You? Um, I'll give it a seven and a half because of the results in the two big matches. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right, so again, overall, full gear, not terrible, not too bad. It was a good time for everybody. Let's move on. We got a lot to talk about this week. We got heels. We got baby faces going left and right all over the goddamn place. It's War Games. It's Survivor Series in Boston. Hopefully, all of our friends are going to be there letting us know everything that happens. Uh, unfortunately, neither of us can probably make it because, you know, life gets in the way. However, we only start one way in the program. JC, that's in the shine with Mandy Rose. Would you like to take it off? Always in the shine, like you mentioned there, Mandy Rose, who she just doesn't stop winning and defending. Best women's wrestler on the planet. But uh, we're going to talk about the main roster here. And for me, oh, man, this I so it's one of those things where, like, I didn't outright dislike a lot of things this week. But there was nothing where I was like, oh, man, this got me really jacked up. You know what I mean? It felt like, especially Rod, like, it felt like it was just, it was so wrestling heavy, which was good because I got home late and it was a very easy for me. To, oh, half hour, six man tag. There's a lot of like that. But I, even on SmackDown, like, 
I had a couple, I enjoyed almost all of it, but at the same time, I didn't love any of it. But for me, I just want to uh, give my little match of the week to Ricochet and Ali, because obviously when these two get together, it's going to be fucking fantastic. But the Ali selling his damage and everything and like them really trying to like put him over as a tough guy so he can more organically get over a baby face. I thought they told a great story in this match. They set it up with backstage with Ricochet because they're friends being like, yo, man, come on, like don't want to do this. And they get out there and it just it was it was a fun match. And I thought the story added something extra. So I'll give that my match of the week this week. That was a great match. I actually had a fire emoji next to mine. I said, love the whole thing, especially the heart and soul thing with Ricochet, the fist bump. Neither of those end. guys miss. Those no, guys they, don't miss. Those guys, especially, they were great uh, going forward. I thought that was wonderful. Um, I am curious your thoughts, because I enjoyed this. I thought this was shine for me. It was Bray Wyatt and LA Knight. Yeah, that's my second note. Okay. so Bray, I love this feud. So I think this was something that we nobody would have predicted uh, going forward. The slap was good. Now we're even. That was fine. Bray Wyatt being like, okay, we're even. Now leave me alone. And then, of course, another slap, which led to the mask, which, again, when I looked at it, I went, I guess that's the mask we're going with now in the dark. And then, of course, they come back from break, and he's piled on some type of debris, which was great. Um, I, I don't think they've advertised L.A. Knight versus Bray Wyatt for Survivor Series just yet. Um, maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I guess we'll find out on Friday. It would be smart to put Bray Wyatt on the pay-per-view, and I think this would be like, I'm uh, right now they have five matches. This would be the perfect cherry on top, six match. So. No, I, I tend to agree with you. I just think that there's a lot going on with War Games based on, I think, everybody enters every three minutes, so I'm... For me, timing-wise, I'm nervous that if there's Bray Wyatt needs to be on pay-per-view, though. I think that's the problem. It's like, if, if not that, they need to do a promo because it's just like they did in Saudi Arabia. Like, they're at the point now where this guy needs to make an appearance. So I think a five-minute match with LA Knight would be fine. I hope you're right. But I think War Games is going to be ridiculous with, like I said, there's five. Yeah. Five, yeah. not so they four. Might, it might just be a segment. It yeah. could be a segment. I just, I just hope to Christ it's not going to happen. Uh, as somebody said right here, uh, Noob and Co. TV, save it for January. Which, again— I don't hate that. I don't disagree. I, don't, I agree with them. I think that, that that's a great idea. I think that's wonderful. I think the hardest part is, can you can you make it interesting all the way to January, Yeah, though? I think you'd have to do it sometime in December at some point on a SmackDown. Um, I don't know. Maybe a week where you feel like you're not going to get a lot of viewership. You make that the main event, and people want to tune in because it's Bray's Return of the Rain. Um, but cause yeah, you're right. Like there isn't to have it not advertised at this point on a Tuesday before, what is it? Saturday is the pay-per-view. Yes. So if you add it on Friday, it doesn't really give you as much lead up for Bray's first match back. So maybe it is just like some sort of segment. Um, but I do think that you might have to pick a SmackDown in December to do it as opposed to waiting all the way to January. Cause that is a long time for this type of feud. I wonder if noob meant January, meaning the rumble or just anything in January. I'm sure in the chat that they will, uh, yeah, maybe if they do like a new, new day, new year's, uh, new year's day kind of thing or whatever, yeah, or new time. year's Eve or whatever, instead of a, instead of a 35th, uh, street fight, whatever the frick they're going to call it or whatever, the ball dropping of some sort. I don't know. They fucking do all sorts of weird. things. I don't think those guys will be involved in this match this year. No, I know. I'm just being facetious. Anyway, uh, if you did look in the backstage promo with uh, cross and the Usos trying to figure out who the fifth guy was on SmackDown, uh, you saw Bray Wyatt yelling to, we can only, people were joking. It was John Cena. I could only imagine it was himself. He was yelling at in between, but they made it seem like there was somebody he was talking to, which I thought again, a little nugget here which I thought was interesting uh, going forward because I think Bray Wyatt slowly is going to go crazy and it's fun. And I think LA Knight is uh, interesting because I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Let me talk to you. Uh, I don't know. Dude's a star anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Um, going forward, anything else that you thought was shine worthy? Like I said, a lot of the rest of it, like I'd put it in like freaking 
the middle, the middle okay. land where it's like I could be. There were parts that I liked, parts I didn't like. So if you have any other shine, go for it. If not, I'm. I I appreciate Kevin Owens. Uh, I think yeah, Kevin Owens as a number fifth guy and the uh, number fifth. That means he said number five, number the fifth member uh, of the uh, the brawling brute uh, tag team. There, uh, it's fine. I uh, did a great job on commentary on Monday. Thought he did a great job there. Um, I really did appreciate as much as I hate six man tags. I do. I really do. The one positive or two positives I would take from that matchup was that, again, these aren't things that are new to everybody, but again, they bear repeating. Dominic Mysterio, <sighs> greatest chicken shit heel we got going on right it's now. So good. And Sheamus, out of nowhere, to me, has become a top five babyface. Top yeah, five. He really has. That, the segment of him going back and forth with Finn, yeah. I thought really sold that because we know how beloved Finn is. Obviously, he's a super heel now. But like for Sheamus to get like that level of an unswell against a guy like Finn, like that told you, like, holy fuck, Sheamus really is a top baby face. He really is. Yeah, and, and again, he does a good job with it, which, again, is even harder to do when you're a baby face to get people to cheer you. So I think he did a great job doing the 20 you know, beats of the battle oh, yeah. on, on Dom. Was well, that's a- the other thing, Nestle, is him and Dom in this match. They had the 20 where he literally killed Dom, and Dom's cell is amazing. But Dom's cell of the bro kick was one of the greatest cells of a bro kick I've ever seen. The way he just contorted his body, he literally, like you say, ragdoll all the time. He legitimately, like when Sheamus gave him the beats of the battle and the bro kick, the ragdolling he did was top notch. And I was just like, man, if we get this type of Dom with this ability to sell as a heel, Oh my God, he's gonna have so many fun matches with top baby faces. So this 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 match did excite me a lot, and I thought it just like, yeah, it did. It's one of those things like, it was it was a six man, but I honestly like this type of six man gets me more going than a trios title. No, I agree with you. Um, Sorry, it's hard because what I'm trying to figure out in my head is, in theory, the, not that I really want to see the OC versus uh, the Judgment Day in a matchup in war games. I thought that's where we were headed, but I feel like there's a street fight happening. Cause again, another positive on Monday was this, the brawl with the exclusive interview that turned into a brawl backstage spilled out to the outside, which again, as I said on Twitter, when they do stuff like that, it makes it seem more important and more impactful and a lot of different things that are going on. And especially with, I assume there was a spot they were supposed to break the car door. They didn't. And it was still kind of like, yuck, 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 whatever. Um, but again, I fully expect AJ Styles versus Finn Balor to be a great match on Saturday, but Gaga, Gaga, and I don't think we're going to get a clean finish or a finish at all. I think that's, no, that's why I might pick Finn. I haven't decided yet, but I might pick Finn. If AJ Styles hasn't won a pay per view a singles match in three years, I, he might be winning. I don't know. I, it's, well, it's that's hard. the thing. The obvious pick is Styles, but if you're thinking Gaga, yeah, you can gotta I, think there's going to be a judgment. Can stamp I? On can it. I just state for the, uh, on Monday it happened again? I think the Judgment Day are always going to be losing and then right away beating the person who beat them. Like it's like one, two, three, fucking club to the back and we're down. Like nobody cares. It's like yeah, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't like even though they lose a lot. Like they're still one of the coolest things in the show. It's so. like it's like DQ adjacent, right? Like it's like one, two, three, you lose, but the guy gets from behind. Like it, they did it to Seth Rollins the week before. It's just like it's the new DQ. It's the new DQ. It's like match winning. Like this person actually won. Doesn't matter. You got jumped. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And that's where we're headed now. They might might do less DQs because maybe DQs are kind of you know passe at this point. But I'm curious. Do you, do you feel like did you does your eyes your eyes roll? Because mine do when I see that. I mean, it obviously does. But it's like this is like a device that they use in wrestling forever. They just kind of like have nuanced it with the Judgment Day. It's just as long as I enjoy what I'm watching. 
overall, which I enjoy them as a unit. I especially enjoy Finn, Dom, and Rhea on their own. I get over it. You know, it's one of those things because this is a lot more good than bad. Sure. That's fair. That's fair. Um, going forward, anything else that you were excited about? I mean, uh, nothing else? Okay. All right, let's get Heaty then, shall we? Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. Can now I look. start? Sure. Because I want to transition off the brutes. On SmackDown, that fucking terrible promo where they were trying to make Broody a thing, I almost turned off my TV. That shit was so dumb. And then you get the fucking most unhip fucking human on the planet. Fucking here comes fucking Ophi Drew. Oh, Drew McIntyre making jokes. What a fucking terrible segment. It got saved a little by Sammy, but oh my God. Between the Broody and fucking McIntyre, I almost clicked it and stopped watching the show completely. Wow. Completely. It was awful. Completely. Awful. Wow. I did not expect you to say completely. I thought you just like would wait or fast forward or whatever. It was Broody Lee. Awful. That was rough. Yeah, much like that promo. I mean, you're not wrong. I just, you know, it's tough. It's definitely, definitely tough. Uh, moving on to something that uh, was not really that great, at least in my opinion. It's odd. Uh, we have the New Day and Braun Strowman, which again is the uh, de facto uh, third member, it seems, until Biggie can hurt him, uh, come back and hurt people, uh, against Gunther and Imperium. I'm curious your thoughts, JC, because I have plenty of hot takes, but people on the, my timeline, as we talk about, the Twitter, the uh, Muscoverse, if you will, uh, were not happy that Gunther was running away from Braun Strowman. Everyone should run away from Braun Strowman. He's fucking huge. And here's the thing. It's the same thing I just kind of said about Jade Cargill. Like, when you have a dominant champion who doesn't lose, it just becomes like, not uninteresting, but like pretty much uninteresting because you just you know what's going to happen. So the reason why Braun winning this World Cup makes so much sense is because it's going to give us a different perspective as Gunther. We're going to be like, holy fuck, he's always the bigger guy. He's always the stronger guy. Well, he ain't in this situation. He's being chased by a fucking locomotive. Like that makes it interesting. And especially when Gunther gets the win, much like Jade did, it'll be a big stamp on his championship reign. So anyone who says that is fucking a moron, short-sighted, doesn't fucking understand how to book anything in the world, hasn't watched enough wrestling to fucking comprehend it. Like, come on, get over it. Get over it. This is this is a great decision for Gunther. Fine, feed him another Nakamura. Feed him another Kofi when he beats a guy smaller than him and takes him out. Feed him another Butch. It doesn't fucking matter. But give him something different, something to sink his teeth in, where you might go, holy shit, he might actually lose here. Like, boom. That's how you create moments and create freaking checkpoints on the way to a long championship reign. I'm just curious because I, I looked at it like, well, you're, what are you smoking? I mean, the guy has to run. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look at the locomotion coming at him. What like, would you uh, do if that motherfucker was running at you? Yeah, I'd you'd run. stand there and be like, oh, no, you'd fucking run. Yeah, you'd <laughs> run away or you'd make sure that he would run and trip himself. Like, you know, you, you would run. You would have that to run. That was some of the best character work I think Guthrie has done because his character is multi-serious, but him showing a little bit of emotion and not like fear, but like a little like, oh, shit, I was into it. Like, I was like, we don't, we never see this. I thought it was cool. Other things that kind of hurt my feelings, Shotzi beat Shayna because Shayna was supposed to be a badass the last two weeks with Ronda Rousey, but of course she has to slip on a banana peel and lose. Again, it's like the, and I understand people are going to say, oh, don't worry about it, it doesn't matter, but Shayna Baszler, you figure with the Triple H regime, regime, excuse me, that they would treat Shayna similar, not the same, but similar to the NXT Shayna Baszler, and it seems like they we're can't. on our way, but they can't. Because Ronda Rousey is that. Right. You can't have two of them on the same show. Right. So... I think the best thing you can do for her for now is make her friends with Rhonda 
So they eventually can be a tag team and build it up there. And then when Ronda goes away, Shayna can take her spot. But in the short term, it's one of those either she's not on TV or I think it's this, unfortunately, which sucks for people who are Shayna fans. But like she literally can't be that character because that character is a better version of that character is standing next to her. No matter what you want to say about Ronda, because of her star power and who she is and being Ronda fucking Rousey, no matter how good Shayna is or if you think she's better, it doesn't matter. Ronda is a better version of that. So until Ronda is gone, the best thing to do is to put Shayna next to her. The problem is the lazy way to set up a feud is they take on the challenger. That person has to lose to the challenger to make the challenger look good. So that's who Shayna is right now. It's unfortunate, whatever. But if I'm looking at the War Games card, this is my fucking popcorn break. I don't give a fuck. No, I mean, we know Shotzi. This should be a Ronda quick, quick work of Shotzi match. Yeah, so, and I, it feels, I know it feels people terrible. love Shotzi. We love, I love Shotzi more than anybody, but I mean, you're right. I mean, you can't. This is a throwaway. You can't. You can't. There's not a lot of women in the locker room that we, we can we can take seriously against Ronda Rousey, unfortunately. And that's not just, just you know, despite anybody. I'm just saying, unfortunately, the way that Ronda Rousey is booked, we all have a preconceived notion of, yeah. okay, no And she has to be booked that way, right. though, too. So it just, it's, it's a tough conundrum. And it's one of those things, like, one-offs can be fun because at least it's different people. But at the same time, it's like, there's nothing they can do in this lead-up to make Shotzi believable as a challenger to Ronda. You just can't. Your boy Bertsky jumping in the chat saying Shayna yawn. Look, he's I, not Ron sometimes. No, he's not. Here's the thing. Shayna Baszler <laughs> as a character, I actually enjoy. Yes, but it's much but like in the she's, ring. she's the female Samoa Joe. Bell rings. Thank you. You might as well put on a blanket. Yeah. Put on your afghan, you like a pillow. Put on your Snuggie. Cuddle up and fall asleep. And then wake up when the next segment happens. You know, it's it's just tough. Wake up for the beatdown after the match. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and when she when she steps on someone's arm every single time, every match, all I can think about is if that happened in real life, yeah, I'd win every match. I don't know why you fucking lose, you know, but whatever. It's fucking wrestling. No logic. Moving on. I'm serious here, folks. I wanted to put Johnny Gargano in a jobber alert, but technically he he escaped with a jar with it with the I was gonna say uh, Gargano escaped. Uh, Gargano escaped the jobber alert with six seconds to spare. Um, I am curious, JC, two questions. Are you in love with this feud still? And do you think the music was a big deal? I mean, I'm not surprised about the music because as we've seen, like, I'm pretty sure if they use the old themes, they have to pay per time. Mm -hmm. So like for the comeback, I think they used it, but now it's to the point where it's like, all right, well, if he's going to be on TV every fucking week, especially if we haven't come out twice, like, you know, the bill starts to add up. We've seen it with literally every other person they've called up or come back. Maybe they get one or two. Johnny had more than that, but it's just it's one of those, this had to happen. It sucks, it's unfortunate, but it's just the way it is. They don't own that music anymore. They have to pay for it. So this made sense. Um, I will say this because I was trying to go back to think about Omas's matches, and I think the only other two men that haven't lost to him in a job alert were Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman. Because even his feud with AJ Styles, he squashed AJ Styles in less than three minutes. So I think Johnny Gargano is the third man, and he's in the company of Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman. So good for him getting that. But I, it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't mind the setup for this because it made Miz like the cowardly douchebag heel. He finds the fucking biggest badass in the back, the most giant man, take on little Johnny. The match played out how it should when you have a little guy trying to take out a big guy. Johnny did his best, but it's like, it's an immovable object. You know, you run into him, you're going to be hitting a brick wall. So I didn't I didn't mind it. It wasn't my favorite thing in the world because they're obviously stalling till next week when you have like the big moment with Miz and Dexter. But I thought at least it like, this at least elevated Miz being the chicken shit heel. It gave Omos something legitimate to do for the first time uh, since Braun, like really all, like since 
Lashley and Braun, that's the only other things he's done this year besides job alerts. So it was nice that he was that they actually involved him in this a little bit. And I mean, Johnny will be fine. Um, but it just, yeah, it, this was definitely a, uh, let's have a quick segment to set up next week more. And the other thing that was very telling to me was that he had a backstage segment before his match with Kathy Kelly, where it was, you know, it was awkward dad fist pound. That's fine. But the other thing he stated was Dexter's not in my business and I'm not in his. So next week, I'm wondering if they're going to forget that line because I feel like they do that all the time where they say something and they don't keep their promises because they come up with something. And I, I my thought is here, folks, I don't see Johnny Gargano staying out of it because what else are you going to put him in wrestling-wise? Or are you going to put him in a backstage segment just being like, way to go, Miz, you lost. I mean, I, that, I, I think he has to cost Miz. But he said that segment, you know, I'm not supposed to get involved. Yeah, but so. something's going to force his hand, I would think. I would think so. But again, yeah. it's just interesting to see what they come out of that. I know it's such a giveaway and such a throwaway in some aspects. We know I, Dexter wins. It's just how. Right. Yeah. I'm just I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, why was that line stated? Like, I get that Dexter doesn't get involved in Johnny's stuff. But it seems like Johnny's been really carrying the load for Dexter the last two months. So I don't... I mean, someone has to. No, I understand that. But I just, I feel like you could have done that promo without what he said. It just seemed kind of odd to me. But again, nitpicking at best, but it does, it does want to, you know, I am going to watch that match very closely anyway. Intriguing, right? Right. Intriguing is the word. I think that's probably the best way to say it. Again, we know that Dexter Loomis necessarily isn't going to be the wrestler that we need, but we know that he'll move the needle in terms of entertainment. So that's okay. Um, Moving on. I'm going to play a, a game called Who's the Babyface, JC? In a triple threat match we have at Survivor Series with Seth Rollins, Bobby Lashley, and, and Theory, I was watching Monday night, and I kept asking myself, who the fuck is the babyface? Because you had There Seth, isn't one. Right. You had Seth Rollins, which I assume the last three, four weeks was a babyface, which, again, he was doing a pretty good job. But in his via satellite, he brought up Cody Rhodes. The crowd booed him, and he went, ah, 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 like the fucking count. And then, of course... Bobby Lashley out there destroying motherfuckers. The the guy was on fire, uh, beating up Theory, who, again, Theory's the heel. We know that. But then Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley was getting the boom, boom, again with the crowd, even though he beat up Ali. And I just, I was like, is Ali going to be put in here to be the baby face? Does that seem logical at this I mean, point? he technically is, but here, here's my thing is because this one's weird. Obviously, like you said, Theory is the full-on, full-fledged heel. Yeah. There's nothing redeemable about him. Lashley is back to his best form though, where he is an absolute badass who will do something as a heel, but because of that, he gets cheered because he's so fucking cool. Maybe cut back on the talking. That's, you know, maybe let's get MVP back to him a little quicker. Um, That'll, that'll kind of bring him full circle, but it's just, that's Lashley's best form is the badass. It's like the Kevin Owen, just like fucking do whatever you got to do and you, whatever. Seth is like the third option where he's like the ultimate, like shady gray guy, because like, yeah, he's, he's over. We know people love Seth, but he's, also a fucking asshole, but that's part of the reason why you love him. So it is very weird because when you look at it, it's like you'd label all three as probably heels right now, but it's one of those things where like Seth and Bobby are just like, and I know you hate the word tweener and I wouldn't call them full tweeners, but they pretty much like the crowd loves them because they're great, but the crowd will turn on them in an instant because they're also assholes. So it's one of those like the flippy floppies without the flippity floppities, you know? So, so my question but, to you is very quickly, does that hinder this matchup. No. no, this match is going to be fucking awesome. Okay. Honestly, when I'm looking at the card, War Games matches are going to be exciting. But in terms of just like a pure like storyline and the three like guys who 
Theory got some momentum back, but he's also very interesting because of what happened. Lashley, who when he is in this form is so such good television, especially with two flippy dippy guys. And then Rollins, who is on another level right now. This match could be fucking beautiful. And I am very excited for it. It might be it might be the match I'm most looking forward to, which is weird when you have two war games matches. And AJ but the other ones just Balor. seem so hodgepodgey. But this match, this is my match right here. This U.S. title match. Wow, my I, match. I, I would have thought you would have gone with Balor and AJ Styles, but that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I, if that would, that's gonna be like the Wrestle Boner match. Yeah, of course. And probably have and probably also be the Gaga Boner match. But like this triple threat, it just these three forces meeting. I think it's gonna be a spectacle. Oh, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Moving on, uh, this is the weird part of Raw where I just don't understand, and maybe somebody can just say, ah, you're thinking too hard, stop it. But backstage, we have JBL with a poker uh, chip and all that nonsense with the, you know, Baron Corbin. Again, I don't mind that aspect of it. I think that's cool. Uh, but, of course, they talk smack to the Mac, and then the Mac cheap shots him. And then there's a match. And all I could think about was, that's not very babyface like, but again, yeah, it but they have, I think the, they have a long history. That'd be no, my explanation. But again, McIntyre Corbin feuded for like fucking like a year. No, I know with uh with Mad Cat mixed in. So it's like, I think that's why is like he's put up with Corbin shit forever. So this is one last like fuck you for the road. You know, it just seems odd to me when they do that. I thought their match was fine. No, too. the match was pay per view quality. I, I don't yeah. have necessarily, but I don't know. I'm not going to say the match was bad because it wasn't. I, I I was a head scratcher that the ending bothered me with the Tazawa thing. Like I'm excited <laughs> that Tazawa is back to Tazawa form. Tazawa his... and JBL are really good together. Yeah, that's exactly. why. But here's here's my other thing. And again, again, someone can tell me get off your high horse, Nestle. It's fine, which do you will, but. Does JBL acting like like Yosemite Sam essentially a Looney Tune character having Tazawa the Roadrunner jump on him or something you know and it's like meet me and then run away and then it's like that's what cost Baron Corbin I get why we had to do it that way but if we're supposed to take Baron Corbin more seriously this time if they keep hammering that he is a world champion material kind of wrestler and then you see this bullshit is it like? For me, I'm having a hard time believing that Baron Corbin is more than what Baron Corbin has been. I think it's they're in the position, like obviously the position of the titles being together and being on who they're on is, yeah, I think you're supposed to start viewing him as a future world champion again, but like it's not a near future. Oh, okay. So and not everything with him, I think, can be serious. I think JBL gives you the opportunity to kind of do more hokey stuff. And this is kind of like a bridge thing with Tazawa until they get to the next feud for him. Just like something where it's entertaining television and, you know, they can still kind of get us acclimated with this new character. I still think the music has to change. That's the biggest takeaway for me. You can do all the serious stuff you want, but the minute he comes out with the fucking, da -da 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 fucking shit, it's just like, I'm just, I roll my eyes a little. And it's hard for me to do that with my boy, but I don't know. It just, it's, I think the music's a bigger issue than a feud with Tazawa. I, I couldn't disagree more, but that's okay. I, I think the thing is, is like. Tazawa had his old look back. He looked no, like a stud. No, I don't mind the Tazawa thing. He was almost. Then, yeah, you didn't pop frame steal in the cowboy hat. I, no, I did, but here's Who the thing. Who doesn't love that shit? Here's, here's the thing. I understand why we're doing it, and people can be like, shut up, Nestle. It's just wrestling. I get that. Shut but, up, Nestle. It's just wrestling. Thank you. We'll get a t shirt. Shut up, Nestle. <laughs> shut up, Nestle. Uh, but here's the other thing that I'm. JBL has always been a bully. JBL has always been a badass, a guy that could, like, beat somebody up. So to see him be this, like, grandpa who's swimming in his suits who just can't hurt people, it's taking me some time to believe that, which I would rather see him just clothesline the fuck out of Tazawa. 
You know what I mean? See, I think you're mostly remembering the JBL of like his dominant championship reign, but a lot of the other JBL we got was a lot of fucking hokey shit because the guy naturally is a fucking goofball, especially when he got into the commentary days. He always had shit like this. So it's one of those where it's like, I think he needs to bring the best aspects of him to Corbin, which I think he is, but it's one of those where it's like, you do, you have the, the super serious spectrum, but you also have the fucking, the goofball. So it's just, it's, I can see what you're saying, but you're on um, for sure. Because <laughs> I think part of why the reason they brought back JBL is that people dislike him, obviously, yes. But like on TV, like he brings so much extra. And I think he brings the best out of a lot of different type of characters. Your boy Dom said he looked great, uh, looked legit. In the ring, he was against, great. Yes, no, I agree. Four, four and a half star match. I thought that was great. Dave Meltzer will give that 2.5 stars. But if it was in Japan, it'd be Dave seven. Dave Meltzer can uh, suck my dick. Okay, on that Fuck note. Him. Uh, anything else you want to talk about that was uh, some type of whatever? Or are you good? I saw you tweet about Elias and Riddle. You on the bandwagon now? So here's the thing. I fast forwarded this whole thing, so I have nothing to say. I about gotta it. say this much. I don't give a fuck about Elias. I know, I know. <laughs> Neither do I. But I, I here's the thing, right? At the bottom of the hour, when you're struggling to get through it, I'm thinking, God damn it, here comes Elias. I don't want to give a shit. But. I will say this much. They tried and they exceeded my expectations with the amount of tag team wrestling that they put together in that matchup. It's their first outing, but they had some tag team maneuvers. I went, this is something. Is it going to be RK, bro? No. Is it going to be anything remotely resembling anything with the tag team titles? No, of course not. Are we in a holding pattern probably till Elias turns on him? Sure. But right now I went, hey, look, they're trying. I'm lowering the bar here. I am. I'm lowering the bar for Elias because, quite frankly, the man just can't meet my standards. But to be honest with you, I was surprised. I was surprised in the throwaway match. I mean, Gable could literally do anything. But I, I was going to say, I give all the credit to Riddle and Gable because those fucking guys are so good. They're so good. But <laughs> so I thought good. Elias did a great job trying to work within the box good. that is I'm glad Elias. To hear that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm glad Elias to hear that. worked within what he could paint. And it's and it was a very good supplement to what Riddle was. Not necessarily Randy Orton, but I thought again, not the worst thing in the world. But again, it's Elias, you know. So it is what it is. Would you like to get hopeful, JC? Yeah, you go first though. You I would want me to go first. Okay, yeah. here here's here's my logical standpoint here. I thought about this very hard, and I've tweeted it out, but it's something that I think bears repeating here. I want Mustafa Ali to keep losing. I think that's very important going forward for a character change. When I'm watching him, I keep thinking to myself, he's not a good baby face. He's got a baby face man maneuver. Like, that's what he is. He, in the ring, he's fluid, he's smooth, but he's kind of a prick when he talks. Like, I, I don't know what it is. He's just kind of a prick. Now, they're not going to reform Retribution because why would you do that? But my thought here is he needs to be part of some type of faction. Whether they give him his own faction or they plug him into somebody else's, that's fine. But it needs to be a heel faction. The only thing that I can resemble seeing something that goes along with him losing and showing his heart and losing again and losing and losing and losing and losing, and losing would be that he joins the Judgment Day. But I don't know if Dom is so similar to Ali being a bitch that it would work. But my thought is here that we need to continue down the line here with Ali losing to a point in which he snaps and creates something with a faction. Because, again, retribution aside, 
I think he's a great heel. I really do. I agree. And I think that he needs to be a heel in order to see his potential. Because being a babyface with Ali has a low, low ceiling. That's my that's my thought. I can see the Judgment Day picking him up with what he's doing. I don't know if it works, but it's the most logical because I'm trying to think of any other landscape faction that would want him. I don't think it's possible. But that's my hope. Invest in Ali in the heel. Maybe it's after Royal Rumble or something when he can finally throw somebody out over the Battle Royal and, and do something that he's not supposed to. Something. Because I am interested in him. But I do not like where this is headed in terms of babyface G golly gosh because he is not a G golly gosh kind of guy. He's kind of a prick. So let's make him a full-blown prick. That's my hope. All right. My hope, I'm going to AEW because I've been thinking about this, obviously. Like, you know, we viewed MJF as a future champ for a long time. Um, so now I'm looking, I'm like, down. this is down the line because I think he's going to have a long reign. Who is the guy that I want to see dethrone MJF? Well, it just so happens that man is involved in a world title eliminator match uh, on Wednesday between all ego Ethan Page and Ricky Starks. So Ethan Page should and will win this match because he can finish off his thing with MJF. But I think I want this to be the start of Ricky Starks coming up just short so many times of getting that shot with MJF till maybe in like a year. He finally gets it, and maybe he fucking does it. Because when I see him, I see the ultimate underdog baby face that you want to root for. I see a little bit of Daniel Bryan. I see a little bit of Kofi. I see a little bit of, like, the Ramos here. These type of guys are like, it helps that he's not the biggest guy, but he's just he's so damn likable. He's so good on the mic. Imagine a fully built-up Ricky Starks who has a history of coming up just short on the mic against a dominant champion MJF. Oh, my God. I'm getting chills just thinking about it, baby. Never mind what those two motherfuckers could do in between the ropes. And just thinking about the trajectory and the future of AEW, if both those men stay of, like, those two as two of their top guys in a position, um, I kind of book them similar to, like, maybe how you did Hayman at first. It just came up short in big match after big match after big match. Can't really get over it. Maybe um, for Ricky Starks, Hobbs is like that rival for him that he can't get over. And maybe that's who he finally has to hurdle over before he gets the shot at MJF. But... I mean, it's just like our boy Dom says all the time. Like, we see that guy. I see Ricky Starks. I see a motherfucking star. I see a future champion. I see a future stud. I see a future face of the franchise type player, much like we do with MJF, but it's on the other spectrum. Like, Ricky Starks was a damn good heel, but man, as a baby face, he's just, there's something different about him. He'll have to stay his cool self like he is. Um, and I think he will because he can talk. That motherfucker can talk. Like, how many times have we seen Ricky Starks lose a big match and immediately get his momentum back by fucking talking for three minutes? He is so passionate, and you can tell he is so good. So that's the guy that I want to eventually dethrone throw in MJF. It'll be a long ways away, but I think it's important to watch his trajectory over the next few months, over the next years, to see how they treat him and kind of like elevate him, but at the same time, knock him down every time he gets too high. Because I think that's really how you build a baby face. You don't give us what we want just until the right amount. And then you let us the floodgates open and it'll be awesome. So that's my hope. Hashtag JC knows hashtag JC's hopes come true. All right. Uh, let's get comebacky. Uh, I'm going to give my comeback. We're sticking with AEW. I'm going to give it to the young bucks and Mr. Kenny Omega, the, uh, Wayward Sons. I I thought the 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 welcome back was great. I thought they did a great job going forward, and I couldn't be happier to see them back. I think again, they are the elite. It's all elite wrestling. 
Um, they are the most important thing on that show, it seems, most of the time. BTE is back, which, again, is a great vehicle for everybody else that's not on TV. So, again, it's nice to have that back. Having them back makes things better. And I think that's something that I, when I was watching, you know, uh, Full Gear, all I could think about was, man, I miss them. I don't necessarily miss Kenny Omega as I miss the Bucks. But I think that Kenny Omega has, you know, that star quality, so you can't deny it. It's just something about the Bucks in general that they just know the right amount to just, you know what I mean, to get you. And I, I think they're they're very good at it. So having them back reminded me how much of a big hole, a big void all three of them had for the last two and a half months. Um, obviously, you could say the CM Punk thing was a big deal, uh, but the matchup was great. So again, I'm not necessarily looking forward to seven fucking six-man tags between now and January because I'm going to lose my head. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun in the process, but if we got to do seven of these things, I am going to lose my effing mind. Just give them the championships in January. I'll fast forward. But again, nice to have you back, Bucks and Kenny. That's my comeback. Yeah, they definitely round out the roster. Um, I think what AW's building has been very good, and they definitely bring it uh, complete that circle for sure. My comeback, I'm actually jumping to NXT and I'm giving it to a woman who debuted on NXT in the main event, and that is Isla Dawn. If you're unfamiliar with her work, she's done some great stuff the last couple of years on NXT UK. I remember like the first year, whatever, NXT UK when I was watching every week, like she was one of the younger, one of the younger talents, if not the youngest talent on the roster, saw potential then. She's obviously fully fleshed out her character. She has this kind of like dark, like witchy vampire type vibe. Um, so her feuding with a veteran like Alba Fire makes sense. Their gimmicks kind of mesh pretty well, too. They have a history as well. So I think that's a good starting point for her. But it's yet another woman, man, in that NXT women's division of someone that I look at. And I'm like, that's someone I can see, like, really having a lot of success in this company for a long time. So it was good to see Isla Dawn finally make her debut stateside. Yeah, you and Danny Grimm would love her. Or love her. I just, I, I don't I mean, know. Yeah, obviously. Have you seen her? Like, She's actually really good in the ring, too. She's very good, and she's very young, so she's got a very bright future. She's well, yeah. well, you know, we'll watch on NXT. This this week on NXT, there's a lot going on, so I'm sure, I don't know if that's a yeah, big segue to the big old finish if you want to do it. But, yeah, big uh, old finish. Boom, boom, and we're going to get to NXT, but we got we to gotta round out Raw and SmackDown before we get to eventually War Games as well. On SmackDown, they actually have a big week this week. We have the two World Cup semifinal matches between Braun and Ricochet. Oh, my God, I can't wait for that. And Butch and Santos also can't wait for that. I'm expecting a Braun-Santos final. Sammy's in it though. Sammy lost to Butch. Oh, Sammy's lost to Butch. Okay, so yeah, I, th I think you're right. So Santos versus Braun doesn't seem like. Why would you want to put a small man against a giant man? But whatever. I mean, Ricochet and Braun might be match of the fucking year. Especially they teased how they're going to get into like the Twitter <sighs> beef stuff, which oh, just man. like, oh man, it's just it's, it's smart. It's smart. It's going to be so good. I cannot Who wait. Who's Santos wrestling again? Butch. Butch versus Braun. No, you're right. It's Santos. Okay. Yeah. All right. Also, um, the other thing we have to talk about, and it will lead into War Games as well after, is that who will be the fifth woman for Team EST? They said they're announcing it on SmackDown, which means probably not going to be a, a special debut, which means for me, Candice is like the safest pick, but I think Becky is the dark horse if she's ready. I would think that Charlotte's still an occasional pick, right? Charlotte is a baby face, though? Come on. I mean, not that I They've want to. They've done it, but to. I just... Ugh. 
listen, listen, she could be the person that comes back. Like, again, to me, it's Becky, Sasha, or Charlotte. Like, to me, those are the three yeah, that Yeah, but do they the blow Sasha on SmackDown when they can have her fucking do it in Boston? I don't think so. I've seen some weird stuff happen, folks. I think Naomi's more likely than Sasha, but I'd go, I'd go 60% Candice, 25% Becky, 10% Naomi, 5% someone else. Wow, you think Sasha's 5% or less? If they're if they're naming the person on SmackDown, if it's Sasha, that'd be the fucking dumbest thing they could do because you blow the giant pop the next night when you're in fucking Sasha, Boston, Boston. Come on. Think. Think I, with I, your dipstick, Nestle. That's thinking with your dipstick. I uh, love that commercial. So, look, I, I'm, I'm going to say Becky's the one because Candace to me, doesn't move the needle. No, she doesn't. But that's why you could do it on SmackDown and people would get over it by the next night. I don't know. I, it has to be one of the three. It has to be Charlotte, Becky, or or Sasha. It has to be. Yeah, the place would go nuts for Naomi, too. It'd be a good spot to I don't think back. Naomi's a big enough deal yet. Uh, I mean, you're talking about like a friggin' three time, like three to four or five time women's champion, a multi-time tag. Like, she's she's a big deal. She's she may great. not be your favorite in WrestleMania, but she's, she's a big great. fucking deal. No, I like her. I just, I think she's great. I just think there's yeah. bigger things they could do. So They could, but what if Becky's not ready, I think the next best you could do is Naomi. Okay. I, Charlotte as a baby face isn't a big deal. Charlotte feels like unless she beats the fuck out of Bianca in the right. cage, it's the only way. Sasha, Sasha would be the the go to, but I like, yes, I, but yeah, you don't right. do that on SmackDown. Where is SmackDown even being taped? Probably in fucking like probably Providence or something. Yeah, no, you're not or Albany that. again. We'll see. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was in New York. Uh, in Raw, we have Miz versus Loomis. Uh, we expect Loomis to win. We already hit on that, so we can go now to NXT, where we have a North American title match between Wesley and Carmelo Hayes. This match is probably going to have a lot of fun flippy dippies. I would imagine that Wesley wins because it's so early on. Uh, Carmelo don't miss. Or Melo don't miss, I guess. I feel like at some point we should just call him Melo. Like, forget Carmelo Hayes. Just call him Melo, but whatever. Yeah, that's what people do with Carmelo Anthony, but he's still his yeah. name. Uh, I don't know. They Vince would just he'd call him up just as Melo. I know, right? <laughs> Uh, very quickly, uh, your boy Dom wanted to say, do you guys think that they, because they're giving a fifth member on SmackDown because someone else is coming at Survivor Series? I mean, the smart thing to do would to be to name Becky and then have, um, or name Becky or Naomi, and then have Alexa get attacked before the match since you know she's not going to want to do any of the spots on Saturday and have Sasha replace her for the big pop. That would be the thing to do, but who knows? Well, I'll tell you this much, Dom. If the women's match main events you'll know that boss town is coming. That's my thought at the end of the match. Somehow some, like even if she's not involved in war games and she shows up at the end, that's how you make her feel like a bigger deal. Yeah, I would see that as maybe more likely as she yeah. makes a return. Maybe damage control standing tall yeah. and they come back together or whatever. I don't know. Something. Yeah, something. I, I just, I, but again, we'll see. I don't think the bloodline ever sniffs anything but a main event. So we'll see. I have no yeah, idea. No, Roman's Roman is, yeah. Unless he I'd wants catering. Unless he wants yeah, to get no. to his hotel room. Also in NXT, we have Cora Jade and Wendy Chu, Ivy Nile, Kiana James, and we have the debut of Scripps with a Y. I'm interested in Scripps. I think that's an interesting concept. Do we know who it is? I'm assuming it'll be Dijak, like as a joke, but like I don't he think he has that... like his own problems. No, I know, I know. I'm just trying to be funny. I, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna be let down. We're gonna be let down with Scripps. I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, I'm assuming it's gonna be someone we've never seen before, sure. like one of their signings. So I don't know. It's just it's hard for me to be excited about it. Uh, sorry, were the other two matches again? You went too fast. They're um, Ivy Nile and Kiana James and Wendy Chu and Cora Jade. I like Wendy Chu and Cora Jade more, so That'll I'll be, I'll be interested in that one. I think Wendy Chu clearly loses because, you know, you can't you can't pick against Cora Jade, so it is what it is. 
I agree. We'll uh, piss through a mediocre AW card now uh, before we go to War Games. We have the first and the best of seven between Death Triangle and the Elite. I would assume since the Elite just lost, they'll win this one. Elite wins. Moving on. Uh, Reign of Honor title match between Jericho and Ishii. Who cares? I agree. We have an All-Atlantic Championship matchup, which is actually interesting because it's Orange Cassidy and Jake Hager. So uh, I, I think Hager could do well with this type of gimmick. It could be entertaining. Did you see the promo backstage? With yeah, it was great. That was good stuff. So I, I think that as much as Orange Cassidy is on his own, his own planet, it, it uh, him saying like nice hat. Yeah. <laughs> he brings great. out the best in everyone, man. Yeah, he so. really does. I think again, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a good guy. So I, I will pick OC, but uh, the original OC. As then I we have Paige and Starks. Like we mentioned earlier, I, I think I, I expect Paige to win this one. I want the Rochambeau for the victory, but uh, I think you're right. I think Ethan Page. Here's the thing though. You know what? No, because if MJF is a full-blown heel now, you need a baby face. So maybe they'll do Starks and then have him get squashed. They could. That's another option you could go with it, but I just, I don't know. I feel like they've set up too much teases with MJF and uh, Paige where it makes sense as a, an easy first win. And, I mean, MJF's going to keep teasing. I think he's a good guy. I think that's part of him being a heel, you know? Yeah. So it was kind of like what Cody was doing at the end too. Uh, but now we go to war games. We have five matches scheduled as of now. Maybe there'll be a six. Who knows? Uh, but first up, we have a triple threat match for the United States title in WrestleMania. When there's a triple threat, it makes it very easy for Bobby Lashley not to be pinned. So I expect Seth freaking Rollins to pin Austin Theory to retain his title. Or does Austin Theory pin Rollins? I don't think Seth's taking any pins before the Rumble. That's fair assessment. I will also pick Rollins, but I feel like if Theory eats a pin, does it negate everything he's done in the last couple of weeks? I mean, that's why I said it's one of those things that's like, they had these this great week for him last week after the failed cash in, but like, I don't think they can go anywhere with it. So it's one of those things like I don't have faith that it's going to turn around anytime soon. So, all right, moving on. We have a singles match, which we know won't really be a singles match between AJ Styles and Finn Balor because AJ has the OC of Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and Mitchin with him. And the Finn Balor has the Judgment Day of Damian Priest, Dom Mysterio, and Rhea Ripley. And if you're wondering who Mitchin is, that's Mia Yim's new name. Mitchin. Sounds yeah. sounds awful. I don't. I, I whatever. But it means like crazy in Japanese or something. I think they said. I don't remember. Okay. I I don't know. So I'm just gonna say. Okay. Great. Um, I would think that AJ Styles wins, but I feel like considering the uh, considering the way that everything has gone on with the OC and the and the Judgment Day, the Judgment Day need a victory here. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna pick Finn Balor. You just confuse the fuck out of me because you said you were going to pick Styles and then you pick Balor. I'm also picking Balor just because, I don't know, I feel like this is a spot where they can do it. I mean, both these guys are pretty indestructible, which makes it hard to pick. But, uh, yeah, give me Balor as well. Next up, we have a singles match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. All I'm going to say is I'm picking Rousey. Yeah, I don't think anything else needs to be said about that. Rousey for everybody. Then we have the two War Games matches. We have the Women's War Games match of Team EST with Bianca, Alexa, Asuka, Michin, and TBA versus Damage Control of Bailey, Dakota Kai, Io Sky, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley. This is interesting. I do think that the Damage Control team will win. Um, wow. I, I would be surprised if Bianca took a pin, but I could see maybe Rhea pinning Michin or Alexa or Asuka just lost on Monday, so maybe pin Alexa, but I don't know. It will depend because if they do end up somehow with someone coming back, like it could, they could have Becky come back and she can get the pin to build her up. But 
I don't know. I just have a feeling that this is a good way to have Bianca lose without asking, actually having her lose. So, right, but if, they, the but if they have a big return on Friday, right, is that almost like negating that the baby faces should win on Saturday? Yeah, I'm taking the damage control because I think they need it more, honestly. I really do. I tend to agree with you, but I just think like having somebody come back and then having them immediately lose feels odd. Like if it's Becky. Yeah, but that person doesn't have to lose because I'm looking at it and you have Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and Meechin who can all take a pin. Yeah, so it doesn't fair. matter who that is. Okay. All right. Well, you've, you've convinced me. I'm going to pick damage control. I, I, no, I didn't, I, I, I thought you couldn't, you know, Bel Air must pose is my, my thing, but, uh, and she might, but I think the main reason why I did that is because I think I'm going to surprise you in the next one Ooh. where, um, because I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, here's the thing. The bloodline is dominant, but they're only dominant because Roman Reigns is dominant and he's in a match here. We have the bloodline of Roman Reigns. Solo Sokoa, Sami Zayn, and the Usos, Jimmy and Jay, taking on the brawling brutes of Sheamus, Richardson, and Butch, along with their friends Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens. And it sure seems like Kevin Owens is going to be the next man up for Roman Reigns. So I think it would be really cool to see him pin Sami Zayn to do it because they've been kind of teasing, obviously, within the bloodline where Sami and Jay are fucking up. And I don't know if you've noticed, but everyone in the bloodline wins except for Sami who always seems to still be coming up short, whether it was an intercontinental title shot against Butch, like all this and that, like he's still losing. So I think this is something where you can give KO a big signature win. You get the Brutes and Drew an easy win too. This is a fun way to end the show with all the baby faces posing. But it also, like and now you have that challenger, but it also continues that little bit of dissension in the bloodline where, you know, between Jay and Sammy and Sammy starting to look like a weak link, kind of what you hit on of maybe them tossing them out sooner rather than later. So... I'm going to pick the upset here, and I'm going to take the baby faces in the main event. Wow. That's that's surprising. Honest to God. Yeah. I, I was going to do that myself, but I can't do five for five with JC, so I got to pick the bloodline because I'm me, uh, because there's something about Roman Reigns. Like, I agree with everything that you stated, and I'd be more interested in it, but I feel like when Roman Reigns loses, it has to be by himself. So I don't even think they're allowed to have Roman Reigns lose Adjacent. I didn't say it was getting pinned. No, I know that, but I just feel like <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, but I just, I'm curious to see what happens. It's it's one of the only matches that I'm really, really curious about, and it should be fucking insane. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's something that I didn't think, you know, was off the table. And again, if EO doesn't jump off the top with the trash can again, I'll be pissed, but that'll be me. Yeah, there's, the one thing that, that worries me is that there's always injuries that come out of war games, like multiple people, and I just hope that, there are some people that we have really like strong expectations for in the near future leading into WrestleMania that I just hope like some of that stuff doesn't get dashed here because these are the types of matches that can kind of ruin with it. As cool as they are in the spectacle and whatever, it's just like if we get a key injury to one of the Bloodline guys, that kind of fucks a lot of shit up. If we get a key injury to like Kevin Owens or on the woman's side, if God forbid happened to something Bianca or something, like that could really screw stuff up. So I hope it's a fun show. I hope it's amazing. I'm excited for all the spots, but I'm going to be like you watching. I'm going to be going, ooh. And people are gonna get hurt. So yeah, nobody likes it. That nobody likes a big owie, much like I do. So you know, it is what it is. Yowie, wowie, yowie, wowie. We haven't done that in a long time. Anyway, yeah. uh, Survivor Series with War Games is this weekend. We hope you enjoy it. I know we'll be enjoying it some way, some fashion. Uh, anything else, JC? Or we'd like to wrap this shit up. Let's get the fuck out of here. All right. On that note, thank you for listening to the Jobber Knocker, and we'll be back next week with more Jobber Knockery. <laughs> <laughs>